Welcome back to G5 Football Daily, the official audio accompaniment to our coverage of the Group of Five all year long on Sports Illustrated's Fan Nation Network. Excited to dive into it with you all once again. I know we've been away for a little while. Apologies for that. Uh, life gets in the way sometimes. Have uh, Trying to make sure that we, we cover all the news, of which there's been a lot. So this episode, we're jumping around a little bit. You're going to hear from uh, my compatriot, Eric Henry of Horns 247 and 247 Sports. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about some you know general college football topics towards the end of the show. Uh, we're going to hear from our contributor down in Miami, Kevin Burrell, who sat with Donovan Manuel, linebacker for the FIU Panthers, who's now working towards making an NFL roster with Pro Day coming up and uh, talk about some of his uh, injuries that he's dealt with in the past couple of years and overall just a, a really great college career for him. So we appreciate his time off the top. And then uh, we'll talk a little bit about some of the other news coming in from all corners of college football and how it affects the group of five and beyond. But for now, let's start with that appearance from Kevin Burrell and Donovan Manuel. Boys, take it away. We are here with Donovan Manuel, now former FIU linebacker. Donovan, what's up? Thank you for taking the time. I really appreciate it. What's up? How you doing? Doing good. All right. So let's first talk about FIU. I mean, you you spent two years there. I want to say you had two great years with the Panthers. Just take us through your time at FIU. Um, my time was wonderful. I met a lot of good people, um, a lot of friendships that I appreciate that I've made. Um, I'm super thankful for the coaches, just, you know, just developing me further, um, taking my game to the next level in order order for me to have a chance at the next level. How's that preparation been like for the NFL draft as a whole? Um, It's just been, it's been been good so far. A lot of grinding, a lot of hard work, um, watching film here and there, um, learning how to uh, talk to people, uh, to the scouts, um, learning how to do the interviews properly and stuff, so. Talk to us a little bit about the Tropical Bowl, which you participated in, just the event, you know, everything leading up to the to the game itself, and then just your thoughts on how you did in the game and how that helps you improve your draft stock and just yourself, you know, as you move on forward in your career. I actually um, didn't end up playing. Um, I had a nagging um, hamstring injury, so um, I, I decided to sit out. Um, I practiced like on Thursday, like the day before our first day there. Um, but other than that, I didn't I didn't uh, participate just because I wanted to, I didn't want to make it worse and I wanted to uh, heal. So, how are you feeling now? Good. Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm back training, running, so I, I feel pretty good. You look back at this 2023 season for you guys. You get off to a great three and one start, but you guys begin to struggle. You guys get to four and four, and then after that, just you know, kind of everything goes downhill to a certain extent. But for you personally, I mean, you end up breaking the single season record for most forced fumbles in a, in a season, and you just have over 100 tackles, total tackles for yourself. Just take us through your personal season. How do you think you did, and how is that helping you now as you go to the NFL draft? Um, I think I did pretty good. I left, I left it all out, out there on the field. Of course, after the season, right, you feel like you could have did more. Um, and, of course, I feel that just could, just my competitive nature of the game, um, I feel like I could have did more and made some more plays here and there. Could have probably helped the team get to where we wanted to get to. But um, I was – I was – I, I want to say please. I want to say content because that uh, I don't want to say like I'm satisfied with my season just because um, I know it's a lot more work that needs to be done. But I, I am happy with the way I ended my college career. Um, I ended it, uh, put my name in history books at FIU, so that's always a blessing and a wonderful thing to, to accomplish. But yeah, um, I think one thing that helped me this season was losing uh, losing weight this season. Right, um, I remember talking to uh, my DC coach, Duet, 
And um, we had a conversation before, like right after the um, 2022 season, he said, um, you'll be a good player in this league if you stay 240. You'll be a great player in this league and have a chance to play at the next level if you drop down to 230. So. You look back at you know your whole college career, not just FIU. You had great years at the FCS level. You look at mm -hmm. that, do you think that was more than enough now to put yourself in this position where you are today to possibly go to an NFL team? Uh, yes, sir. Um, I feel like my body of work is a large body of work. Um, I I, I want to say not too many people can say they have 450 tackles in their career. Um, so that's a lot of tackling, a lot of TFLs, you know, um, a lot of plays being made. Um, what I'm most proud of throughout my career is the, the way I create turnovers, right? Um, and that's that's the nature of the game. We got to get get the ball back for the offense so we go sc score more points. And that's my pitch in the NFL, right? You want to score more points? I'm I'm your guy. Right. Uh, I'm the one who's going to create the turnovers. I'm the one who's going to give relentless pursuit, uh, relentless effort. Um, and I'm stooping at the game. You you look now at this draft process that you're going through. What's the biggest thing you've taken away from, you know, this process as you get closer and closer to, to the draft? And then eventually, you know, maybe the draft combine. And then after that pro day here at FIU. Um, one thing that I'm taking away so far is just because you put in a lot of hard work to me, you're going to be successful. Right. So you honestly got to find what you love to do. And give it your all, and um, to in order to just give yourself to be, to give yourself the um, the best chance when you do uh, get the opportunity. You, you and Reggie Peterson made history for FIU. I think that was the first linebacker duo since a very, very long time that it had, you know, total two hundred total tackles for you. You know, playing alongside Reggie, he spoke very highly of you. I believe it may have been after the same Houston game, saying, you know. I see Donovan and and I may be tired, but I see him still going out there and I and I have to, you know, I have to get up and I have to keep going. So just playing alongside Reggie, how was that for you? You know, I think you did it for two years. Yeah, it was amazing. Um that's that's my best friend, I want to say. Um, the closest friend that I met since I've been at FIU. Um and just that, that relationship that we built off the field helped us with our play on the field, right? A lot of people ask how we do it. Um I, I would say our relationship off the field helps our play on the field, right? Because it, it might be sometimes where I, he makes a mistake or I make a mistake, right? But we that that relationship we got out the field, I'm gonna end up being in the right place for him. And you know, it's been it's been a couple of times this season where I don't told Reggie, thank you, bro, for making that play. Cause if it, if it weren't for him, it probably would have been a touchdown or something. And you, right now in your process, what are some things that you're doing specifically uh, as you get prepared for the draft? Um, doing a lot of speed training, a lot of strength training, you know. The goal is get a uh, bigger, faster, stronger. So that's my goal to be able to show the uh, put on that show for the scouts. Have you spoken to any scouts or your agency, and what what are they telling you in terms of just things that they like about you? You know, Donovan Manuel, the player. Yes, I have, and um, a, a lot of things that I, that I that I continue to hear uh, talking to different scouts is the way my instincts, um, the way I, I get to the ball, I'm always around the ball, um, the way I close space, and um, the way the way I can run. Coach Max says you're pack man. You 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 would say that's the case. Yeah, he's the first person that called me that, but it, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> All right, we're going to wrap it up here, Donovan. Thank you so much for the time. I wish you nothing but the best of luck as you get uh, closer to not only Pro Day, but the draft. Yes, sir. I appreciate you for giving the opportunity to speak. Thank you. Some spring ball updates. Uh, 
Boise State, April 13th is their spring game. We'll be curious to see if they get an offensive coordinator in place to replace uh, Bush Hamden uh, prior to that. I would assume they would. Seems like a pretty important piece to have before you go all the way through spring ball, especially when you know, you <laughs> the fact that they managed to retain some of the offensive pieces they did in this offseason, given the amount of transition that they're going through, um, is impressive. They kept Ashton Genty. They've still got Maddox Madsen, to my knowledge, although they're going to need someone to compliment him. I don't know if he's ready to be QB1 just yet, but I think Spencer Danielson's a great coach. It's just going to be a matter of getting someone in to fill the gaps in. His knowledge and experience, obviously, as, as a defensive coordinator, you want someone like Hamden, um, who who did a really nice job of coming up with creative play concepts to get them over the hump last season and win that Mountain West title despite a pretty bad start. Uh, Liberty Spring Game on March 2nd. Armies is coming up as well. As they prepare for their first season in the American Conference, Friday, April 12th is looking like the date for that one. Don't have streaming info there, which is a little bit surprising, but not shocking, I'll say, given, you know, you usually got to look pretty, you got to go through uh, ESPN Plus with a fine-tooth comb, usually to find G5 spring games that are actually televised, but uh, hopefully we'll get past that at some point. Uh, good to hear Jeff Tedford at Fresno State is seemingly back to tip-top shape in terms of his health, took a step away from the team there, or after their season, after the regular season, skipped the bowl game. Tim Skipper won that against New Mexico State. But sounds like he's uh, he's feeling better, and he's uh, ready for their spring practice to start in just a few weeks here. On the coaching side, Alabama taking yet another um, notable G5 coach in Georgia Southern offense coordinator Brian Ellis joining the Alabama staff as their tight ends coach. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about this in a minute, but another key G5 coach leaving for an assistant role in the SEC. I don't think it's something that you're going to stop seeing. So hopefully we'll, uh, we'll find guys who are more suited to what is actually demanded of guys in those coordinator roles. Uh, not that Ellis did a bad job by any means. Um, despite what uh, a few Georgia Southern fans on my timeline would probably say. But it's a whole new world that you have to be prepared for. And if you're not, well, that's uh, certainly one way to run from the pressures of uh, these higher profile jobs. Which brings us to Georgia State, right? Sean Elliott resigned, and he's going to be the tight ends coach at South Carolina, where he was an assistant previously. And this one, listen... I know Coach's family lives in South Carolina. I know he's from South Carolina. In a lot of ways, this move makes sense. Joining a staff in the SEC where you can be an assistant coach, do less work than what a head coach would do at any level, really, and still make a pretty comparable salary. I don't have the exact figures, but to be a tight ends coach in the SEC, you're, you're going to make close to, to what you would probably make at a place like Georgia State that's still very young, still finding ways to drive more and more resources to that program. In those ways, I completely understand the move for for Coach Elliott and honestly wish him well. What I think rubs me and a lot of other people in this space in an unpleasant way is the timing, right? Georgia State was already in spring practice when he made this announcement. So now they have to pause spring practice basically toss these plans that they had for the next 
couple months of the program out the window and really, realistically, start from square one in terms of finding a guy who will build a culture that they want and, you know, the do all of that before they break for the summer and then come back for fall camp where they'll be very lucky if they don't feel like they're already significantly behind schedule given everything that's happened. And that's not even taking into account the attrition they're probably going to see from the transfer portal and guys who have probably already made up their mind that they don't want to be part of the program anymore because they committed to Coach Elliott, right? So that's a tough thing to see and a tough thing for uh, a G5 program that's already kind of dealing with the things that we talked about in the last episode, um, name, image, and likeness collectives that are significantly more um, well-funded at other schools and just the overall resource gap that you see there that coaches have been complaining about for a long time. But this doesn't make it any easier for those programs to get better. I mean, it's it's a it's a decision that if Sean Elliott was concerned about how these things are going to affect his job and affect his ability to do the job well. Those are legitimate concerns. It's just, how is this not something... I don't know. This decision should have been made sooner in the best interest of all involved. That's all I'm saying. And it's it's tough to have to see Georgia State deal with the issues that they're going to have to face as a result of that. I feel like that's fair. I understand his reasoning for wanting to make this move. The timing sucks, right? That's that's the crux of this whole thing. So, I don't know. If you agree with me, disagree with me, eh, tell me on Twitter. I might read it. I might not. But, I don't know. If anyone has any dissenting opinion that's interesting, then uh, maybe we'll talk about that on a later episode. Uh, last thing before we uh, bring in Eric Henry for some more fun discussions, uh, combine invites. Um, Michael Pratt in there at quarterback makes sense. Luke McCaffrey at wide receiver. I think he's going to have a great combine, had a really nice senior bowl. Excited to see what he does in the next stage of things. Uh, from the Sun Belt, Kamani Vidal makes sense. Very good, uh, very good career at Troy. Rashina Lee invited to the compound. Not sure how much he's going to do. Uh, tore a uh, muscle in his arm at the Senior Bowl. I'm not entirely, I'm not remembering which one exactly. I believe it was a bicep, um, but we'll have to go back and, and make sure that's correct. But he uh, had a really great week of practice prior to that, but that's that's disappointing to see him. Uh, pick up an injury that's going to require surgery and going to re- uh, going to require basically the length of the summer to to fully heal. Though sounds like he'll be fine come uh, training camp and all that, but tough break for him. Ethan Driscoll also from Marshall, very big offensive lineman. Liked what I've seen from him a lot. Uh, same with Nathan Thomas from Louisiana. We just talked about Georgia State. John Trey Hunter, I think one of the more underappreciated defenders in the uh, G five this past season. He's in there as well. Uh, George Halani. Another big one that's in there for the uh, Boise State folks. I think he'll do a great job there, um, at least at the Combine anyway. We'll see if he's able to crack a roster. Dallin Hulker, he'll definitely get picked up by somebody. Um, One of the better tight ends slash fullbacks in the draft. Great size, great hands. Frank Crum, big monster of a man. Very good blocker. Let's not forget, too, Quinion Mitchell from Toledo. Arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the entire draft class now. I mean... What he was able to do at the Senior Bowl was a great little snippet of some of the things we've seen him do in college, obviously, against 
just to see him do it against some of these other really good receivers in this draft class, he might have played himself into a top 20 selection in the NFL draft. That's how good he's been in some of these camps and stuff. I mean, what a way to end it. End your college career, that is. Easily the top prospect in the entire G5 in terms of where they're going in the draft, I should say. Arguably the only first-round selection we'll see. There's a few other ones as well. Uh, 300-plus folks uh, from around college football invited to the Combine. We have all those names on G5FootballDaily.com. Go ahead and look up uh, those when you have the time. But no huge snubs, in my opinion. Um, Would have liked to see Blake Watson from Memphis in there, potentially. Oh, and uh, Jackson Mitchell, linebacker from UConn. I I really would have thought he would be one of the guys. I think he entered my, uh, I think he entered the season as one of those guys on my list of top draftable prospects in the group of five. So to not see him was, was interesting. But other than those two guys, I think it's a pretty comprehensive list of the, uh, the big guys from the G5 in this draft class. But if you disagree, let us know. Looking ahead to the summer, Eric, at some point we're going to get to like June and people like you and me are going to have I don't know, maybe two and a half weeks, hopefully, where there's not as much news unless, I don't know, someone else uh, decides to call it quits. I don't even want to say a name and knock on wood to make it happen because I would like to have a vacation at some point. Um, But I say that because the new NCAA football game is going to come out and we'll actually have time to play it at some point uh, in the summer. And we've talked a little bit before about just kind of the fun aspect of that being taking a smaller program, uh, namely a G5 program, through the dynasty mode and making them into a powerhouse or just giving yourself certain uh, criteria that you have to hit as far as recruiting, that sort of thing. So who's the first team you're going to do a dynasty with when we actually get that video game, Eric? Man, the fact that we're actually getting it is kind of wild. I'm still processing that. But to answer your question, the first team... Uh, I'm thinking back to my days, you know, Joe, I used to, like you mentioned, I, if you're, if you're not taking a small G5 FCS team and building up and making a powerhouse, you're not doing NCAA, right? Like there's, unless you're an alumni of some big time schools, no fun in getting Texas and just winning national championships. Right. But right now that the Knights are a big 12 school, my, my, uh, alma mater doesn't count. Um, I probably would do FIU. Of course, you know, I, I covered them for years. Um, but I'd, I'd want to get some of those those schools that like, huh? You know, I, I'd even have some fun like a Sacramento State, you know, or a or a or a, a like a Charlotte, like because I was trying to think of a school that wasn't in the last iteration of the game, right? Like a Charlotte, for example, that'd be super fun. Um, so there are a couple names for sure, but I, I I'd say FIU would be one. I, you know, I, I definitely not gonna do USF. I mean, you know, who cares about the Bulls? I kid, I kid. Um. If, if uh, you know, my the old team that I played for, if Jackson, if JU, you know, we're still a program, Jackson University, I, I'd grab them if they'd make, you know, the FCS list, right? But um, unfortunately, old Pioneer League football um, no longer includes the Dolphins. So, yeah, there you go, Joe. I hope they add like an FCS patch at some point. That would be phenomenal. I think people have been trying to get that in those video games for a long time. I think some people actually have like made it on their own, which would be fun if we got an official version in some capacity. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's going to be hard for me to resist good old Hawaii, right? That, that was always kind of fun to start with, with those uh, teams. And then of course, like hopefully by the time this comes out, 
I think the new stadium is supposed to be built. The the brand new fancy, you know, Aloha Stadium 2.0 in Honolulu. That would be kind of fun to to play in as well. Um, and I'm also kind of looking forward to seeing what like offensive wrinkles they add. Like running Rich Rodriguez's offense with Jacksonville State would be a lot of fun. So that's something that comes to right. mind as well. Sure. Um, and then yeah, who else uh, was not? in the, the 2014 game that would be fun to to mess around with. James Madison's another one. That would be kind of cool. I think that's it as far as teams that have made the jump recently. There's going to be more, uh, you know, if this becomes an annual thing, which EA likes money too much to make it not, if this works out, um, then, you know, we'll see. We'll see Delaware in there. We'll see Kennesaw State. That'll be a lot of fun. No, I was going to say, even throw like a Sam Houston, right? Someone who just joined that. You know, think about that, Joe, right? If you were uh, the last time this this game was out, he, Sam Houston, that wasn't a probability. Jacksonville State, right? So that's got to be super fun as well. So just wanted to add that in there. Yeah, man. And I mean, to your point about playing with the bigger schools, I can see Pete. Like, it's fun when you do that as like the quick play, right? Like you just kind of hop on and like, I think in 2014, the last game that that came out there like that was the one where I, I think Terrell Pryor was the best for kids that don't know that name Google Terrell Pryor highlights but <laughs> like just kind of jumping in to like play with your friends uh is is fun playing with the, the the super jacked uh super stacked teams I should say but as far as like actually doing a dynasty like no one no one jumps into like a FIFA career mode with like a premier league team right away. You got to start in like the third division and like work your way up. Like that's where the actual fun is. Eric, you mentioned uh, one of the last times we talked about just getting used to the cold snaps in Texas and kind of the issues that arise from being stuck in the weather there and how the state's not exactly <laughs> well prepared for it. There's a bit of a historical precedent there. Um, but, you know, for someone like you coming from Florida, like, hurricanes are a thing so you've you've been stuck inside for a long period of time as well so i guess how has you know killing time inside in uh in texas compared to how you do that in uh in florida when the weather's nasty oh man it doesn't it doesn't compare i mean here's the thing right like we're just talking about yeah. cold joe yeah. you know it, it, it's just cold weather that's kind of shut down texas we're talking about florida man we're talking about hurricane parties and listen yeah I, I want. I am not trying to downplay the serious nature of a hurricane. Like, let's let's get down first and foremost. However, I, and I, Joe, I guess there's a fair portion of the audience that probably isn't familiar with like the concept of hurricane party. So I should probably explain it. We're not talking about a house party that just like you're a 19 year old in college. I mean, you have grown adults who throw hurricane parties. Like a friend of mine is a nurse with three daughters who <laughs> her and a few nurses who were like, all right, we're not on, on shift for this stretch. Uh, when the hurricane was coming, like they hunkered down into a hurricane party uh, over there in St. Pete. Right. So, I mean, hurricane party by far, just because, you know, it, ideally, ideally, again, you know, I'm not trying to make light of a, of a, of a serious situation. We'll make this clear. I have had to evacuate before. Right. So if, if, if you're in a situation where you got to evacuate, there's the hurricane party. But outside of that, the ideal hurricane party is you're in an area where like you're going to get some rain, you're going to get some winds, you know, you may lose power for a bit, but you're not in an area that's you're not in an evac zone. Right. So you just grab a ton of snacks. You know, you're probably going to lose power for a bit. Things are going to shut down. So the last hurricane party, um, me and my boy, a couple of friends, probably like eight of us 
we just loaded up on Jimmy John subs. Um, because again, you know, like yeah. it's so hard to get water in Florida because it just disappears immediately. Um, so we locked up on we stocked up on Jimmy John subs, snacks, um, uh, assorted adult beverages, whatever water we had, and just rode that thing out. So yeah, man, hurricane party. <laughs> I have never been to a hurricane party. It might uh, surprise you to to learn. D- disappointed, man. I mean, I not surprised because I know you spent most of your adult life in you know outside of areas that would be you know uh, yeah that would be hit by hurricanes. But oh yeah. man, wish you could experience one. <laughs> Nothing There's like a bunch of, a late twenties, early thirty somethings, and like I said, sometimes like but like at that that hurricane party that I mentioned with the nurses, they mm-hmm. were introduced to beer pong there. Like and they were in their forties, so there you go. I find that hard to believe. <laughs> that, yeah, well, that's that's their claim. <laughs> oh, I've never played beer pong before. Sure, okay, but I don't know. So when you're in Texas now, when you're stuck in inside with the cold and all that, I guess how do you like to kill time, or or is it a situation where the power is out, so you kind of have to find unique ways to entertain yourself? Yeah, I'm freaking like now that I'm here in Texas, it's like. <laughs> The power has been kind of hit or miss. The internet's been hit or miss. So it's been a lot of downloaded podcasts and like audio books, you know, and warm soup. Because again, it's just like, it, it, it's cold. So that, that's the big thing. And what's frustrating about it, Joe, is having lived in Chicago, it is not a level of cold to where like you can't go outside and function. It is 20 something degrees. You know, it, the feels like is, is like 10, but I've done that in Chicago before with wind and with like snow, you know, it, it is not... A level of cold you can't function but the infrastructure here is just such that it binds you to your house because it's not set up for it yeah that's the thing though because like chicago is set up for it so you don't typically right. like lose power when the weather right. gets really bad so that's that's interesting when i'm stuck inside like that i usually find way i usually end up like cooking like you mentioned like soups like that's always like fun to do or like uh, you know, when I was like younger, like make cookies with my mom or whatever, but like, yeah, that like, that's kind of my fun way to like kill the time. Then obviously like if the power's out, then you can't really play video games or anything like that. But exactly. if I have the option, that's, that's typically what I'm doing. Trying to, trying to find ways to take FIU to the national championship with a roster of all kids from Maine. Just like one of the weird things that I do. <laughs> there you go. That's going to do it for us on this edition of G5 Football Daily. I want to say thank you again to my good buddy Eric Henry for dropping in to chat a little with us about, uh, you know, hype for the NCAA football game, killing time in bad weather. You're going to see him again in the near future, I would imagine. You can follow him on social media at Eric C. Henry underscore. He covers the Texas Longhorns mainly for 247 Sports and Horns 247. Appreciate him making time as always. Thanks again to Don Manuel, Kevin Burrell for contributing to this episode. And in the next couple of weeks, you're going to hopefully hear from some head coaches who are poised for big things in the 2024 season and probably beyond nailing down some exact dates. So can't mention who those guests are yet, but I think you'll enjoy those. Um, Lots to talk about. Lots to talk about as we get ready for the 2024 college football season. It's only like six months away, guys. It's going to fly by. Now that I say that, it's going to drag on forever and ever. Regardless, I'm Joe Lonergan. Thank you for listening. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. And uh, G5FootballDaily.com for our coverage of Group of Five Football all year long. Happy football watching. Talk to you soon.